medicine was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, torments, and those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Praise God. Amen. Now let's turn to the book of John. We're going over to John chapter 21. Hallelujah. And we're going to read the last two verses, uh, not only of this chapter, but of this book, and really of the Gospels, John 21, verses 24 and 25, John said, this is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which... If they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Praise God. What a wonder-working God we serve. Talked about this last week, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on it again, but the very thought that in just three and a half years, Three and a half years, he performed so many miracles that the world cannot contain, could not contain the volumes if every miracle was written down. And he's still performing miracles today. He's still a healer today. He's still a deliverer. He's still a savior. In fact, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Praise God. All right, we're going to try. We're going to try part three of our attempt to look at an overview of the Gospels. Let's put our Bibles down now, lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Praise God. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together right now. magnify you right now in Jesus name let's worship him everybody <clears throat> let's worship the Lord come on everybody let's worship the Lord let's lift our voices all across this house let's raise our voices in adoration to the king of kings today <clears throat> I love you Jesus I love you Praise God, praise God, amen. God bless you, you may be seated, hallelujah. As you can tell, uh, I'm struggling a bit with my voice this morning, and it was nice.
for a while to feel like my voice was fairly clear. And now it's come back, it seems, with a vengeance, but we're going to tackle it. We're going to get over it. Amen. Praise God. God's going to help us. God's going to help us. Let me just very quickly give you just a bit of a review because where we left off last week, we really need uh, everyone to, to, to be on the same place and at the same starting point. And uh, as, as I've said to you over the last few weeks that uh, we're getting ready, we're preparing to begin a study of the book of Mark. And before we began our study of Matthew, um, a few years ago, I actually taught uh, an overview of the Gospels then so that you could kind of have an understanding of what we were getting into, of what these books were all about. And uh, I, I told you that as I began to prepare uh, to teach in the book of Mark, there were some things that I remembered from this lesson that I felt were important uh, for you to know. And as I went back and began uh, reading through the lesson again, I said, you know, there's just too much here. I can't just pick and choose. I think it would be good for us to go back and just reconsider everything that, that I presented to you these four years ago. And um, very likely, very likely, um, when we finish with Mark and get ready to Luke, I'll probably come back and, and at least pick up some of these principles again. I, I don't think I'm going to be spending three years in the book of Mark, but who knows? I never dreamed I'd spend as long as I did in Matthew, so who knows what we'll do. But, but anyhow, we'll, we'll, we'll take that when it comes. But for now, for now, let me, let me just give you some things about these four books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books that we call the Gospels, the good tidings, the good news, the good message uh, that salvation has come through the man Christ Jesus. Amen. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Right? We believe that. We understand that. We understand that we're not talking about two different persons. We're we're talking about the, that fleshly body became the mediator, the go-between uh, between us and the eternal Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God that we had no hope of approaching without that mediator. So there is one God and uh, there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And so he was our mediator. And that was the good news. That's what it's all about. Uh, knowing that, that everything that right now, if you're caught up in your Bible reading, uh, everything that you're reading about, everything that, uh, if you're not there, you're about to read about. I don't, I don't know where everybody else is. I'm, I've gone on ahead, so I'm not sure. But anyhow, all of these offerings and sacrifices and and, and all the things that had to be done and the minute details that God gave and, and, and everything that had to be done just, just to please God, what good news it is to know we don't have to do that. It's good news to know I don't have to go find a lamb. Well, hallelujah. I don't have to go find a bull and slit his throat and catch the blood and sprinkle it and, and, and I don't have to do any of that because of the Lamb of God that did it for us. Praise God. That is good news. That's, 
very, very good news. Now, we, 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 we're looking at these four Gospels. We're looking at these four books. And, and as I've pointed out to you, they, they, they contain a compendium of the life of Christ. There, there is, in these four books, there is a picture that's given us of the man Christ Jesus, all of them beginning somewhere around his birth and ending somewhere around his death, burial, resurrection. Uh, they focus on his life. They focus on his miracles. And mostly they focus on his teachings. Hallelujah. Because his teachings are so vitally important. Well, praise God. Amen. And, and so really all that we know, all that we know about Jesus Christ, virtually, virtually all that we know about him, we know because of what these men told us. What we know about his life, almost everything we know about his life, we know because of what these men shared with us, told us, wrote down for us to read. Praise God. And so we've got to rely on the Gospels. This is one reason why it's to me, and, and I've had people say, I've, in fact, as I've taught pastors in Africa, I've had some of them come to me and say, I know that Peter said be baptized in Jesus' name, but Jesus said. And, and, and you know, to me, to make that kind of a statement, to say that you don't believe what the apostles taught, you might as well cut out the four Gospels you might as well cut out everything from Romans through Revelation. Might as well cut out the book of Acts. If you're not going to believe the apostles. Because Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, and, and I'm stressing the man I hope that, that all of you understand. I hope that all of you understand when I stress the man Christ Jesus because Jesus was both God and man. Indwelling in that body was the eternal spirit of God. But then that eternal spirit had taken on a cloak of humanity. And, and we differentiate between that fleshly coat and the spirit that dwelt in him. Not as two separate persons, but just like you've got a spirit and a body. But, but that man, the man Christ Jesus, we, 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 uh, he never picked up a pen and wrote his own story. So if we're going to know anything about what happened in his life, we're going to have to believe the apostles. We're just going to have to. We're going to have to believe these writers of the gospels if we're going to know anything about his life. Praise God. And so when they say to me, Jesus said, Jesus said be baptized, saying Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Peter said be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm going to believe Jesus over Peter. No, no, no. You can't, you can't think that the apostles disobeyed because it wasn't just Peter that said to be baptized in Jesus' name. Paul said it. Stephen did it. Philip did it. Every one of the apostles baptized in Jesus' name. Matthew agreed with it, and Matthew's the one who wrote those words of Jesus. And so, so we know that what happened, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus opened their understanding. 
they understood what he meant when he said baptizing them in the, in the what? In, in the what? In the name of the Father. Father's not a name. I'm a father, but that's not my name. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. I'm a son, that's not my name. He said, do it in the name. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. I didn't intend to get into all this, but here I am. Praise God. I it's it's just it's just a fact. John 5 and 43. Let's just do it while we're there, and then I'll come back to my notes in a minute. But but we need to do this. We need to, I need to show you. I need to show you in the scripture. Amen. John 5 and 43. Now, Jesus said, uh, in fact, in fact, before you jump ahead there, go back to Matthew 28 19. Uh, start with verse 18, and then we'll go to verse 19. Matthew 28, 18. You can't jump into the middle of a conversation. You got to see what's going on. Jesus came, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. So Jesus said, all power is given to me. So all power was given to who? Jesus. All right, everybody's with me. All power is given to Jesus. All right, verse 19 says, go ye, what? Now, I said to you once before, and this is, this is just a nice little tool to use in Bible study. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. All right? Why is it there? It's telling us something. Go ye therefore. Why? What is it there for? Because of what Jesus just said. Jesus said, all power is given to me. Because I have all power, go and baptize in the name. Of the Father. Father is not a name. I am a father, but that's not my name. If I try to, if I try to, to sell you uh, a piece of property and I sign the deed father, it's not going to do any good. Because father is a, is a descriptive title of a position that I hold, but it's not my name. So what is the Father's name? John 5 and 43. Jesus tells us what the Father's name is. I am come in my Father's name. Wait, let's get it up on the wall now. It was up ahead of time. Now we're, we're, we're a little behind. Let's get it up here because I want everyone to see this. John 5 and 43. John 5 and 43. Praise God. John 5 and 43. There we go. Jesus is speaking and he said... I am, come I am come in my Father's, in my name. Father's name. Jesus said, I came in my Father's name. What name did he come in? Jesus. So what is the Father's name? That's, I come in my Father's name. What was my Father's name? Riggin. What's my name? Riggin. Right? It's my father's name. I came in my father's name. Jesus said, I came in my father's name. What name did he come in? Jesus. So what is the name of the father? Jesus. Jesus. What's the name of the son? Matthew 121. Matthew 121. Yeah, 
just keep John marked there because we're going to come back to John 14 in just a minute. But Matthew one twenty one says this. And she shall she bring shall forth, forth a, son, a son. And thou shalt, and thou call, shalt his name call his name Jesus. So what is the name of the son? Jesus. John 14 verse 26. John 14 and 26. It's really very simple. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, but the Comforter which, is the, Holy which Ghost, is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father, whom will, the send Father will send in my name. How? In my name. In my name. So what name did the Holy Ghost come in? So the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So when Jesus said, go and baptize in the name of the Father, he didn't say, repeat after me. He said, baptize in the name. And so it's got to be done in that name, and there's only one name. For neither is there salvation, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. Right? I can quote it to you, but I want it up here. I want you to see it. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. Neither is there salvation in any other, for, for there, there is, is none, none other, other name, name under heaven, under heaven given among men, whereby, whereby we must, must be saved. saved. There is no other name. There's no other name. Praise God. So if we're going to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we, we, we do it in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So you've never obeyed Matthew 28, 19 until you've been baptized in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. Go over to Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. I'm giving you a little workout this morning. I'll get back to my notes in a moment, but we've got we to nail this down since I've touched on it. We've got we to gotta solve it, all right? Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10. Wherefore, Wherefore God, God also, also hath highly exalted, exalted him, him and given, and him, given a name, him, given him a name, which is above every name, which is above every name. That you know, I I had one of these pastors in Africa tell me said, you know, we've always just used that to say it was above the name of every demon, and that's the way we've translated that or we've interpreted that verse. But that's not what he said. He didn't say that it's a name above the name of every demon. Though that's a true statement. He didn't say it's a name that's above the name of every sickness. Though that's a true statement. He said it's a name that is above every name. Every name. So whether it's El Shaddai, Elohim, Adonai, Jehovah, I don't care what name you call, Jesus is above that name. Praise God. It's above that name. And, and you know, I ask these pastors, do you believe in praying for the sick? Yes. When you pray for the sick, do you pray for them saying in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? No. What do you say? We say in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in that name. Do you believe in casting out devils? Yes. When you try to cast out devils, do you say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? No. Why? There's power in the name of Jesus. When you pray a prayer, do you end your prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? No. How do you end it? In the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in that name. I said, all right, so you heal the sick in Jesus' name, 
and you cast out devils in Jesus' name, and you pray your prayers in Jesus' name, but when you get to the water, you don't call his name. I think we ought to call his name in the water too. That's the way everywhere in the scripture, everywhere in the Bible that anyone was ever baptized, they always said in the name of Jesus. It was always that name Jesus. They might have said Lord Jesus Christ. They might have said Lord Jesus. They might have said Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, in every case, the name Jesus was used. Praise God. I'm going to do it the Bible way. I want to do it the Bible way. But anyhow, we got off the subject. But, but this is, if you can't believe the apostles, throw away your New Testament. And in fact, I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe the apostles, you don't have a foundation. You don't have a foundation. Your building is built on nothing. Well, praise God. Ephesians 2 and 20. Ephesians 2 and 20. This is, this is the problem when people tell me, I don't believe what Peter said. I don't believe what Paul said. Well, here's the problem. Ephesians 2 and 20. And are built upon the foundation. We are built upon the foundation. Of the apostles. Of the what? Apostles. The what? The apostles. The what? Apostles. Come on, somebody. Help me here. Now, maybe, maybe because, again, we're kind of jumping in the middle of a conversation. Back up to verse 19. Let's see what he's talking about. What does verse 19 say? Now therefore, now you, therefore you are no more strangers. No, no more strangers. And foreigners. And foreigners. But fellow citizens. But you are fellow citizens. With the saints. With the saints. And where? And of the household of God. Where? The household of God. We're talking about God's household. And then he says. And are built upon and the you're foundation. And you built. That household of God, if you're a part of the household of God, the foundation under you has got to be the apostles and the prophets. Right. Hallelujah. Let's, let's put verse 20 back up here. Amen. Verse 20. He said, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We've got to have the apostles as a part of our foundation. We can't throw away what they taught. We can't get rid of what they said. I didn't intend to get into all this, but Galatians chapter 1, and um, I'm, I'm trying to get back to my notes. I'm trying to get back to my notes. But it's just important. I think it is important that we understand. We, we've got to believe what the apostles tell us. All right? So Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven. But though we are an angel from heaven. Preach any preach other gospel. any other gospel. Unto you. Than unto which, you. Than which we have preached unto you. that which we, the apostles, have already preached. Let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Paul said anybody that's preaching something different than what the apostles preached is cursed. The apostles never preached baptism, saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In fact, Paul felt so strongly about this, he says it again in verse 9, read. As we said, As before, we said before, so, so say, say now I again. I now again. If any man preach, if any man preach any, any other gospel, gospel unto you, unto you than what than we, that, that you have received, let, let him be 
accursed. Paul, listen, and this is the way you've you got to understand the Jewish mindset. They didn't use bold letters. They, uh, most of the time they would write their, their entire um, uh, writings in all capitals. I mean, Paul did uh, most of his writings, from all we can understand, written in all capitals. So, so we have ways of stressing things when we write in English. But to the Jews, the way they stressed things was not through underlining or making it bold or making it italic. The way they stressed it was just say it again. Say it again. Make sure they got the point. So Paul says in verse 8, if you preach anything besides what the apostles preach, you're cursed. He comes along in verse 9. He said, I just want to make sure you got what I told you. If you preach anything other than what the apostles preach, you're cursed. So, so look, we, we don't have a choice when it comes to accepting what the apostles tell us. If, if, if we're going to be saved. We've got to believe what they tell us. Praise God. They're part of our foundation. We can't get away from that. We cannot get away from that. They are part of our foundation. So, so um, that's way off the subject. But anyhow, I, I hit on it, so felt like I had to cover it while we were there. Let's get, try to get back to the notes. But, but virtually everything we know about Jesus, this is what I was saying, we know because of these men who sat down and wrote about his life story Almost everything we know about it. There are some other historical references to him. Few things that we can pick up here and there. Josephus and different historians that, that might tell us a little bit. But most of what we know, almost everything we know about him, we know through these four books. Amen. Praise God. Now, th this is what we were dealing with when we ended the lesson last time. Was why four? Why do we have four Gospels? Why not just one gospel? Why not just one story that tells all of this? And, and, and why do we need four? And in fact, I pointed out to you uh, toward the end of last week's lesson that, that there have been attempts. You can go to the Christian bookstore or go online and find books that are supposedly the harmony of the gospels or a chronological gospel where they've tried to take every one of the four books and just put them all into one. The problem is it never really works right because John especially, John especially was not concerned with chronological order. John just told stories. He, he just relayed the things that were happening. And, and he, was, he was more thematic. He, he was dealing with themes. There was a certain theme he was trying to get across. So he would tell that Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this. And all this is part of this theme that he's telling. Are you with me? And he's not trying to put it in chronological order. So for us to try to put those things into one gospel is really guesswork. It's guesswork. And even then, it, it just doesn't really give every... I mean, if you pick, for instance, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 that, that appears in, in all the Gospels, and, and you pick one of those to tell the story, you're leaving some detail out that one of the other Gospel writers gave. So how do you... How do you, you know, you, you can't combine them into one. But the question is, why, why didn't God... God can do anything... Why didn't he just move on one person to give all the details we needed and give us just one book? Well, the last thing that I dealt with in our last lesson was, was 
Second um, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. That's where we ended last week. It's where we're going to begin this week. Second Timothy three sixteen, which says, "All scripture." Wait, wait, wait. The first word. All. First word. All. All, all scripture. Read. Is given, given by, by inspiration, inspiration of God. God. And is profitable, profitable for doctrine. For doctrine. For reproof. For, reproof, for correction, correction. For instruction in righteousness. righteousness. All right. So, so here's what we know. All scripture is given by inspiration. So if we believe 2 Timothy 3.16, then we believe that every word of Matthew was inspired of God. Every word of Mark was inspired by God. Every word of Luke was inspired by God. Every word of John was inspired by God. So the short answer to the question, why are there four? The short answer is because God wanted four. God moved on four men. That's the way God wanted it. And however God wants it, he's God. He doesn't owe us an explanation. This is where we ended last week. God doesn't owe us an explanation. We just have to trust him. However, I want to pick up at that thought and take a few moments now and show you that I think God, God doesn't owe us an explanation. God doesn't owe us a reason. But I do think that maybe the scripture hints at a reason. And I want to share that with you. I want, I want us to consider something here. Um, now, if, if memory serves me correctly, and I will be the first to admit to you that memory doesn't serve me very well. Uh, for me, memory has become a part-time servant. Praise God. Um, but, but if memory serves me correctly, when I was throwing out, when I taught this four years ago, and I was throwing out the question, why, why four? What, what, what's the purpose behind it? Somebody, if I remember correctly, somebody from the congregation said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So let's look at that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. This is a principle of the scripture, Matthew 18, 16. But if you will not hear thee, then take, take, then with, take with thee, thee one or two one more. One or two more. That in the mouth. So that's you and one or two more, yeah. right? Everybody's with me. You and one or two more. That math's not too complicated for any of us, is it? All right. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word may be every established. Every word may be established. This is a principle of the scripture, and it's a, it is a very, very important principle. And it's a principle that I also use when I'm dealing with baptism in Jesus' name. When I'm teaching these pastors that they've got to do things the Bible way, this is, it's crucial that there be two or three witnesses to establish every word. It's crucial. Um, and I asked them. If Jesus meant, say these words, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. If that's what Jesus meant, just give me one more witness somewhere in the Bible where somebody did it that way. That's all I ask, just one more, so that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, and there is no other witness. Now, that doesn't mean Matthew 28, 19 is wrong. It means the way you're interpreting it is wrong. Praise God. But then when I start showing them the witnesses for being baptized in Jesus' name, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 22, and then we pull in scriptures that say whatever you do in word or in deed, do 
all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and then we pull in scriptures where Paul says, Paul says, um, was I crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? That sounds to me like whoever was, was crucified is whose name we ought to be baptized in. So, but there are very clearly six witnesses and others that imply that we ought to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there, there are no witnesses for saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. None. So this is an important principle out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so that was the answer that somebody gave, if I remember correctly. Uh, somebody, somebody thought that was the reason why that we have four. And there may be a degree uh, of that, that we do have more than one witness here. In fact, more than the three that are required to establish. We've got four um, that are telling basic points of the life of Jesus. So that may be a part of it. But I want to tell you, the problem with saying that's the reason is that there are a number of things that are only recorded in one gospel. So if there's not two or three witnesses, then obviously that's not what God's trying, why he said we have to have four. All right? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to set something up here that, that to me, I think is very beautiful. Um, it, it, there are only two, only two miracles, only two miracles that appear in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 and the Lord's resurrection. They're the only two that are in all four Gospels. So why... Why are there four? Well, I do believe there's a reason why. Let me show you something. Let's go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10. We're going to go back to the very beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth. God says, let there be and there is. God plants a garden. And then look at what he does. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10. And a river went out of Eden. A river went out of the garden of Eden. To water the garden. To water the garden. And from thence And once it, it got outside of the garden, it, it did was, what? It was parted. It, it was parted. And became into and four heads. It became four heads. This one river flowing through Eden to water Eden split off in four directions. Why? Why should it split in four directions? Well, because there were other places God wanted to be watered. There were other locations God wanted water. It all began from one source. But from that source, it went in four directions so that four separate areas could have their needs met. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so I'm telling you this morning that, that among other things, four separate records written by four different men at four distinct times provides a much more complete picture of his life than if just one man sat down and told the story. In fact, I read, I read a story about a man who was visiting a friend of his. And, and this man, um, I'm not sure if it was his wife, somebody... Somebody he had lost a loved one he really cared about. And, and, and when the man went in 
to his friend's house, he noticed this, um, I don't know what you call it, quadrifold, maybe. It's as good a word as any. It four fourfold picture frame. All right, you with me? This is like four pictures all connected together. And, and so there's this, and it, it, you know, it folds open. But anyhow, he, he, said, he said there were this loved one, if it was the wife or whoever it was, uh, th- there were like these four different snapshots of that, of that lost, of that loved one that, that was now deceased. And, and so th- he asked him, he said, why, why these four? He said, you know, he said, these four pictures really describe for me different emotions, different things about the strength and the character of this individual. And, and, and on different days, when I get to missing them, you know, I look at one picture, that's just not enough. It just doesn't really tell me the story. And, and, and on certain days, there are certain ones of these pictures that just really bring it all back to me and that speak to me specifically from a different viewpoint, from a different angle. And I think that's as good an example as what I can, I, I can give you, that each of these four men, as they sat down under the direction of the Holy Ghost, were presenting a different aspect of Christ. And each of these aspects, so different from the other, and yet never contradicting one another. And, and that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. There is a harmony in these four Gospels. There, there is a thread that runs through all of them, and yet all of them are distinctively different, describing Jesus in different ways. And when you can learn to read these, this is why this is, lesson is important. When you can learn to read Matthew from the perspective that it's written, And you can read Mark and see what it was about Christ that Mark is trying to show us. If you can start into the book of Luke and understand what picture of Christ is Luke presenting. And the same with John. Then you get a better understanding of what these books are all about. Now listen, the fact that there are differences between the Gospels is really a strength to the Gospels because it lets you know they didn't just sit down and copy one another. This, you know, plagiarism does go on. This wasn't a matter of somebody getting a hold of Matthew's Gospel. Mark gets Matthew's Gospel, so he writes the story, just changes a few words, and then Luke gets Mark's, and he writes the story. It didn't happen that way. Each man's giving a different perspective, and yet there there are differences. There are things that the other one did not tell. There There are aspects that the other did not show, and yet nowhere in these four Gospels do you find direct contradiction. Now, I'm telling you, if four uninspired men sat down to write the same story, there's no way we'd have what we have in the Gospels. You don't believe that? The next time that there is a wreck and there's a group of people standing beside the road that saw it, just go through and ask each one of them what happened. And I'm telling you, all of them saw something different. And some of them, some of them saw it completely different because that was their friend that was involved, you see. They know the other person was at fault. There's no question. The other person ran the red light. No question. I saw it with my own eyes. Right? 
I'm telling you, there's no way you could have gotten four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to sit down and write the life of Christ if the inspiration of God was not on them and you not have any contradictions. As I pointed out to you as we went through the book of Matthew, yes, there are differences. There are places where Matthew says there's one blind man and, and someone else says no, there's two and, and, or, or vice versa. But I've pointed out to you, it's not a contradiction. If I say, if I say, if I walk out of here this morning, I call a friend of mine, say, how was church this morning? Oh, it was great. Brother Jared was there. Well, that's true. But he talks to my wife, and, and she says, yeah. I said, I said, Jared was there. In fact, there was a good crowd there this morning. Well, that's not, that's not a discrepancy. But I particularly mentioned Jared because of something I was getting ready to say about him. You follow me? So I, I didn't tell all the rest of the details. It wasn't necessary to the perspective I was sharing. It's not a contradiction. When you're faced with two different facts in these Gospels, you don't say they contradict. You say they complement. Both are true. And again, if... We believe that every word is divinely inspired. And John said that the earth could not contain the miracles that he performed in three and a half years. Don't you think there were some times that there was one blind man that did this and maybe another time that two blind men did this and another time three blind men did the same? Don't you think in all of those miracles... May it rest in peace. Sound like one of those coins, you know, rolling around. Anyhow, I don't know. But don't you think that in all of the, I mean, there had to have been, we said this last week, if, if he performed so many miracles in three and a half years' time, and we know, we know, John said that the first miracle Jesus performed was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. So these stories of Jesus as a child taking clay and making a bird, clapping his hands, and the bird flies off, nonsense. Didn't happen. All right? Didn't happen. Because John said this was the first one he did. Now, John may not have told everything in chronological order, but if he said this was the first one he did, we know that was the first. Right? So, so if... If it started at that wedding, it started at the beginning of his ministry, in three and one half years, he performed so many miracles, it had to have been into the hundreds every day. And the thousands some days. Right? In fact, the Bible tells about there being a multitude in the valley and virtue went out from him. I, I referred to this the other night. Virtue went out from him and healed everybody in that valley. I don't know how many tens of thousands may have been in that valley, but all of them got healed. Don't you think that there was more than one that might have had the exact same situation going on? So this is not a contradiction, but each of these men are giving. Are, are we ready? I like the way that one sounded better. Sounds, praise God. All right, that uh, sounded like I was at the bottom of a barrel there. Um, but anyhow, th these, these differences, these, these,
these differences really are a strength to the gospel. And, and so here's what, here's what I want to show you. Each of these men, I believe, and, and I, believe, I believe the scripture bears it out. Each of these men had a different perspective that God wanted to show us about the man Christ Jesus. You ever taken a prism and held it up to the light? And as you turn it, different colors come out. But it's all coming out of the same. And if, if you only hold it one way, there's only one color coming out. But as you turn it, you begin to see the beauty of it. Right? So I'm telling you, this is, as, as we look at these four Gospels, these men are just turning the prism. So you can see a little different aspect. And I want to show you, I want to show you to me what I believe is going on here. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel for just a minute. Ezekiel, got your Bibles? Bible study time. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 10. Now, I dealt with this verse of Scripture when I taught on Ezekiel, whenever that was. Um, Jared was probably still in high school back then. I don't know. I don't know how, it probably were. I don't know. It's, it's been a long time ago I dealt with Ezekiel. Um, so, but Ezekiel... I want to show you something. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 10. Ezekiel here is describing some beasts that he saw. All right? So, so let's look at this. Ezekiel 1 and 10. As for the likeness of their faces. The likeness of their faces. They four had the face of a had, man. They four had the face of a man. Everyone say a man. All right? And the face of a lion. Everyone say a lion. All right. On the right side. And they four had the face of an ox on the left side. Everyone say an ox. Uh-huh. They four also had the face of an eagle. And everyone say an eagle. Now, now this is, you know, and I would, I would encourage you, if you weren't here when I taught on Ezekiel, it would have been one of the very first lessons I taught on Ezekiel. You can probably go back on the website and find, uh, I don't even know the dates. We can find it for you if you're interested in listening, if you're interested in listening. Um, you can go back and hear where I took these four faces and likened them to the ministry, showed you how that each of these faces had, had a, a way that they could represent those who serve in the office of a pastor. There are times that that pastor's just got to be a man. There are times he's got to be a lion. And sometimes he's got to be an ox. And sometimes he can be an eagle. And, and, and so I went through all that. I dealt with all that. But, but let's go back and let's, let's take this now and let's consider something about these four. And just, just leave that verse up there for just a minute. Um, in fact... Um, Tell you what, go, go to go to Revelation. I want to come back to this in Ezekiel one ten. Go over to Revelation chapter four verses six and seven. Revelation four verses six and seven because Revelation mentions these same thing, and 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 this is interesting to me. Revelation chapter four verse six. And before the throne, before the throne, right there, around the throne, there was a sea of glass, a sea of glass like a crystal. And in the midst of the throne. In the midst of the throne and around about the throne. Around about the throne were four beasts. Were four beasts. Four beasts right around the throne. Now what are these four beasts? Full of eyes before full and behind. Full of eyes before and behind. And the 
first beast was the like first a lion. Was like a lion. And the second beast like a calf. Like a calf. The third beast had a face as a human. As a, a man. man. And the fourth beast fourth? was like and a flying eagle. So, so, so we see the same thing, all right? Though Revelation calls it a calf. I mean, oxen have calves too. So, so let's go back. Let's put let's put Ezekiel one ten back up there, and and look at at these creatures that have the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. And let's talk about what these things represent to us. We understand that the lion represents strength. The lion is called the what? King of the beasts, right? The king. We consider the lion as kingly. Don't we? Strength. Strength of authority. The king. All right? And, 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 then, and then you've got, you've got an ox. The ox. What we know from the scripture about the ox. This was the animal that most was used to plow. To serve the farmer. It is a though it's it, it can be a massive beast, it really is a lowly animal. And the ox, if you read it in the scripture, in fact, when we look at the scripture, the lion of the tribe of Judah, what are they talking about? What's gonna spring forth from Judah? A lawgiver, a king. There is a king coming from Judah, right? So the lion of the tribe of Judah, it's his kingly. And then, then the ox, when we look in the scriptures about the ox, it was, it was the animal of lowly service. The man, there's a face of a man on this beast. And, and, and that ought to be self-explanatory of humanity, the fleshly nature. And then the eagle, which speaks to us of the loftiness of the heavens. I submit to you this morning, that we can take those four faces and see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because in Matthew, he's writing to us about the Messiah, the King, the Lion. In Mark, it is the suffering servant, the ox. In Luke, we read about his humanity. We read more about Christ's humanity in the book of Luke and how he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. We, we read about what happens. He's a child. We read about all these things that happened in his humanity in the book of Luke, the face of a man. Praise God. And then in John, we talked about this last week, but I'm telling you, if you want to find a one God book in the New Testament, Go to the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I read to you, I am come in my Father's name. Where do we read that? The book of John. The Holy Ghost is sent in Jesus' name. Where do we read that? The book of John. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? Where do we read that? 
We read it in the book of John. Well, hallelujah. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall all die in my sins. And they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Where do we read that? We read it in the book of John. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, John gives us the deity of Christ. John lifts us to the heavens in the beginning. Hallelujah. Everything that we see throughout that book, he's showing us this is not just a man. Yes, he's the king. Yes, he was a lowly servant. Yes, he was human. But he's more than that. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. I'll be on the oneness here. I'll be on the oneness here. If, I, if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I'll end up preaching a one God message and getting off my notes again. But I'm going to tell you, it's important that we understand. John, John was showing us. And John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if John had any message to declare to the world, he was declaring that this is not the second person of the Trinity. This is not Jehovah Junior. Well, praise God, but he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, John is making it as clear as clear can be that there's only one God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Just one, just one, just one. Don't tell me there's three. There's not three. We don't need a committee in heaven. He said, I am the Lord that stretched forth the heavens alone. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in the book of John, in the book of John, that we read of the raising of Lazarus when he stood there and declared to Lazarus' sister, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's in the book of John where they come to capture him in the garden, and he said, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And his response was, I am. Now, the King James added the word he. You can see it's in italics. But what he said was in the Greek, he said, ego I me. He said, I am. He was using the term that had been used by the voice that spoke out of the bush to Moses. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? Amen. That voice said, tell him, the I am has sent you. And the Jews understood who the I am was. And so when those guards were there and they were ready to capture him, and he said, I am. They fell back as dead because there was such power when the I am identified himself. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know who he is. Look, 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 John, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in it, so get your Bible, get your Bible. John, it's John, it's John, it's John. This is, now, did, did, you, did you make notes or did you get what I just told you about the four? Did, did, did any, 
anybody write that down? Did anybody make a note of that? Some of you did. In Matthew, we see him as what? The king. All right. In Mark, we see him as the servant. In Luke, we see him as what? The man, the human. Now remember that. Luke tells about the man. John, we see him as the divine, as God, right? So, so between what John tells us and what Luke tells us, we get the perfect picture of who the man Christ Jesus was. Look at this, John, it's John chapter 4, starting with verse 23. But the hour cometh, the hour cometh and, now, and is now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the shall Father. Worship, no, wait, 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 all right, no, we're still in verse 23. All right, the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father. Who? The Father. Who? The Father. Who are we talking about here? No, 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 don't, don't try to interpret. Just answer the question. He just said, the true worshipers shall worship the Father. So who are we talking about? Thank you. Very simple. It's really easy that way, all right? There, we're talking about the Father. Everyone say the Father. We're talking about the Father. All right? Worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. God. So when he says God here in verse 24, let's get verse 24 up on the wall. Verse 24, when he says God, who's he talking about? Thank you. The Father. When he says God, he's talking about the Father. Right? Verse 23, now worship the Father. Verse 24, God. He's talking about the Father. God is a spirit. So we learn about the divinity from John. Then what do we learn from Luke? Luke chapter 1. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. I hope you don't get bored with this. I hope you don't get bored. I hope you don't get bored with this. Praise God. Luke 1 and, and verse number 35. And the angel answered and the said unto her, "Answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest, the power of the highest shall, overshadow shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, therefore also, that holy that thing, holy, that holy thing, which shall, which be, born shall be born of thee, shall be called, shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Luke presents him as what?" As a man, as humanity. What is he saying here? When the angel speaks to Mary, that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. What is the Son of God? The Son of God is what Mary gave birth to. Praise God. Mary didn't give birth to a spirit, Mary is not the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the Son of God. What did she give birth to? Humanity, flesh. What is Luke presenting? Right here in his opening chapter, he is telling us about that which was born of Mary. Right? 
the very opening chapter, he's letting us know we're dealing with the humanity here. We're talking about the humanity of Christ. And so this is what we see. When we put Luke and John together, we see, uh, we see 2 Corinthians 5, 19, get it for me. We see the picture, the perfect picture of who this is. God, the Father, John talks about God, the Father, is a God, the Father, is a When you think of Father, you got to think Spirit, not a person. You don't think of a person. Don't get a picture in your mind when you're thinking of the Father, some old man with long hair and a flowing beard sitting on a throne. No, no, no. That's not, that's not God. The Father is not a person. He's a Spirit. He's a spirit that fills the universe. He's a spirit that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He's a spirit that the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. He's a spirit that David said, if I take the wings of the morning, thou art there. He said, if I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. He's a spirit that's everywhere. That's the Father. And then Luke tells us, that thing, that thing which was born of Mary is the son. What was Mary, what did Mary give birth to? She gave birth to humanity. That's Luke's whole message, his humanity. The fact that he's a man, this is his humanity. This is his flesh. Mary gave birth to the flesh, not the spirit, the flesh. The Spirit caused her to conceive. In fact, while this is still up here, let's just look at it. Because the Holy Ghost is what caused her to conceive. People say the Father and the Holy Ghost are two different persons. Well, we've got a problem. Because it was the Holy Ghost that caused Mary to conceive. The Holy Ghost is the father of that baby. And if the Holy Ghost is a different person from the Father, Jesus had two fathers. And that's not the case. The Holy Ghost, think about what that's saying. Really, in the Greek, it's Holy Spirit. What is God? God is a spirit. And how did he identify himself throughout the Old Testament? I am the Holy One of Israel. He is a Holy Spirit. It's just another name. It's just another, not name, but title that God, God, the Spirit, bears. Now, I'm going to bring it all down here in just a moment, but, but I, I said this just a few weeks ago, and I'm, I, I'm sorry, but I've got, I feel like I've got to do this. But, but you know, I, I am a father. I am a son. I am a pastor. I'm a brother. I'm a cousin. Hopefully, I'm a friend to somebody. Um. But in each of those, I don't change who I am. I only change my relationship with the individual, right? To my wife, I am her husband, but I am not a husband to anybody else. Nobody else can call me husband but her because that's a term of relationship that we have. My three children can call me father. Others really can't if they're talking in a physical sense, right? Their children can call me grandpa. Now, others may call me that, but, but to be 
literal about it. You understand? It's a relationship. But I'm the same person. But then when I'm standing behind this pulpit, I'm not husband. And I'm not father. And I'm not grandfather. I'm not father-in-law. When I'm behind the pulpit, I'm pastor. I didn't change who I am. I only changed the role and the relationship. So we talk about God as the father, and he is the father of all. He is the creator of all. We talk about him as the Holy Spirit. We, we, we call him that because that is the spirit that comes to indwell us and cause us to be holy. It's just another term of relationship. So, so Jesus explains to us that God, the Father, is a spirit, not a person, but a spirit. Luke explains to us that the Son is not a spirit, but a person. The Son is the flesh. The Son is a person. All right? So now let's put it all together. 2 Corinthians 5.19. To wit, that God was in wit, Christ. Hang on, hang on. Let's, let's get, here we go. All right, to wit, that God. Wait, wait, wait. God. God is a God is a so to wit that the spirit was, was in, in Christ. Christ. Christ is the flesh. Right? Christ is the so to wit that the spirit was in the flesh reconciling the world unto That's a singular pronoun. Not themselves. God was, if God and Christ are two different people, then you would have to say unto themselves. But that's not what it says. But God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I've got a spirit, I've got flesh. That's not two different people. My spirit is not my flesh, my flesh is not my spirit. That's not two different people. Well, praise God. Christ, the flesh that was born of Mary, had dwelling in him the Spirit, God, the Father. The Father was in him. In fact, when you go, I've had people ask me, what about what, what, about what was said at, at, at the Jordan River when, 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 when uh, Jesus was baptized? The voice speaks from heaven and says, says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And my answer to that is a question. I, I learned that from Jesus. Jesus many times answered questions with questions. Because if you can get people to answer their own question, then you they can't argue with their own answers, right? In fact, I've seen some of these guys squirm in some of these seminars when I start making them answer questions. I even had one that as soon as I got through with him having to answer one question he didn't like to answer, he got up and left. <laughs> he, he didn't like to have to give that answer. Because it was proving him, he was proving himself wrong by giving the answer. So, 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 where was I? God was in Christ. You're supposed to know this. Where was I? God was in Christ. So, I answer the question with a question. That's where I was. And, and, and so I say, now, what did that voice say? There's a voice speaking. What did that voice say? That voice said, this is my beloved son. What's the next word? What is it? 
You know, if, if I am pleased about something Jared does, I don't say I'm pleased in you. I say I'm pleased with you. Hello? I'm pleased with you. But that voice that spoke said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because though the voice spoke from heaven, that same spirit was inside of that body. Well, praise God. John 3.13. John 3.13. My time's almost up. My time's almost up. But I was afraid of that. I was afraid once I got to the oneness, that's as far as we would go. But next week, next week, he should finish this off, Lord willing. All right, John 3, what's verse 13 say? And no man hath no ascended. Right, now, now, now wait, Jesus, this is John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. So they are on earth. Does everybody agree with that? Yes. Everybody agrees that Jesus and Nicodemus are on earth. Everybody agrees with that? Yes, sir. All right, now, what does Jesus say while he's on earth? No man hath ascended, no man has ascended, ascended up to up heaven. To heaven. But he that, came down, he that heaven, came down from heaven, even the Son, even of, man, the Son of Man, which is in which heaven. present tense is, is right now as I speak to you in heaven. How was he in heaven? Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You see, this is what you've got to do. With every one of these questions, what about when Jesus prayed? What about this? What a, look, with every one of these questions, you just ask yourself, Jesus was both God and man. Was this the flesh speaking or was it the spirit speaking? Was this the flesh acting or was it the spirit acting? When he gets in the ship to ride across, that's the man, that's the flesh. But when his disciples need him and he walks upon the water, God alone treadeth upon the waves of the sea. That's the spirit. When he was in the garden praying, that's the flesh. But when he said, if you'll ask anything in my name, I'll do it, that's the spirit. Well, praise God. When he said from the cross, I thirst, that was his flesh. But when he stood on that last day, the great day of the feast, and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. What's it? That's not the flesh speaking. That's the spirit speaking. Well, praise God. It's not two different people. Not two different people. In fact, we, we, let's just, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. I think this was actually in your notes. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 9. See, this is the problem. This is the problem because so much of, of the church world teaches today that Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. The second person in the Godhead. Now, first of all, I want you to find any scripture anywhere in the Bible. I don't care. Genesis to Revelation. Just find me a scripture where Jesus is called the second anything. Why are you making Jesus second? What I do find is that Jesus called himself Alpha and Omega. Beginning and end. First and last. Now you might call him second, but he never called himself second. He said, I'm first and I'm last. In other words, I'm everything in between. 
But they say that Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. So, number one, he's not second. Number two, he's not in the Godhead. Jesus is not in the Godhead. Not according to the Bible. Colossians 2 and 9 tells us, For in him, for in him that is in Jesus, dwelleth, dwelleth all, all the fullness of the of Godhead, Godhead bodily. bodily. Jesus is not in the Godhead. The Godhead is in Jesus. Well, praise God. It's not complicated. It's, it's amazing. I read articles where people, and Sister Becca, come. I'm, I can't go any farther. I've used up too much of my time. But, but I read these articles where people are trying their best to explain the Trinity, explain the Trinity. And I'm going to tell you, you can do what you want to do. You can spend your life trying to explain it, and you're never going to be able to explain it. You're never going to be able to explain it. Because man came up with it. God didn't. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible anywhere. I got a question the other day from one of the pastors in Africa. He said, explain to me, 1 John 5 and 7, I thought we were done, but I guess we're not. Uh, he said, explain to He said, I'm, I'm right now, he said, I'm talking, I'm talking to a Trinitarian pastor. I need an answer. How do you deal with John, 1 John 5 and 7? I said, well, let's look at it. Not really that hard. 1 John 5 and 7. Now, to really understand it, you're going to have to read verse 8 as well. But 1 John 5, 7 says this. For there are three, there are three that, bear that bear record, record in, heaven, in heaven. The Father, the, Father, the, Word, the Word, and the Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost. And these three, these are, three one. are one. And verse 9 says, uh, verse 8 says, and there are three, there are three that bear, that bear witness, witness in, earth, in earth, the Spirit, the Spirit and the water, the water and the blood, the blood and these and three, three agree in one. Agree in one. Now, isn't it interesting that in verse 8, he says the three simply agree as though they're one. That's the way the world defines the Trinity, that you've got three persons that agree together and making them one. But that's not what verse 7 says. Verse 8, he distinguishes. He says, he says, he says, the spirit, the water, the blood, those three agree in one. They agree in one. They're not one, but they agree in one. But with verse 7, how did he say it? Read it again. There are three that bear record in heaven, record in heaven the, Father, the Father, the, the Word, Word, and the Holy, and the Holy Ghost, Ghost. And, and these three, three are one. not agree in one. Not agree in one, but these three are one. Praise God. There's a big difference between being one and agreeing in one. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, it's not that there are three who agree together as though they're one. It's that there's only one. And that's the final statement of this verse. And that's where we've got to get back to because of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. He is one. 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 One Lord. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we got a little sidetracked off the Gospels, but maybe not too bad. Because that's John's message. I'm telling you, John gives us, of all the Gospels, John gives us the most beautiful portrait of the mighty God in Christ. The fact that this was God in the flesh. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 3.16 is in your notes, so you don't have to turn it. You just got to find it on the note sheet. While she's playing, 1 Timothy 3.16 says this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, 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 the Spirit was manifest or made known or revealed. The Spirit was revealed to us how? In the flesh. In the flesh. That's the way we come to know this Spirit. That's the way we come to know who He is, what He is, is by that fleshly body He took on. God, the Spirit, was manifest in the flesh. Read. He was justified in the Spirit. He, he, God, was seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Gentiles, Believed on in the world. world, And received up into glory. glory. Who was? God was. God was. How did those things happen? How did God accomplish those things? He did it when he took on the human flesh. Well, praise God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is today. I'm glad I don't see him as a second person in the Godhead, but I understand he is the mighty God. Well, hallelujah. Isaiah 9 and 6. Isaiah 9 and 6. I've had people say, how can you say that Jesus could be both father and son? Well, first of all, I'm not the one who came up with that idea. I'm not even the first one who said it. You want to find the first one who said it, you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is given. A what? A son. A what? Let's try this again. We tried a while ago and you guys failed. Let's try it again. A what? So what are we talking about? Thank you. A son. A son. We're talking about the son. All right? So. Read. And the government Government's going to be, be upon, upon the shoulders, shoulders of what? The son. Of what? Son. Come on, say it. The son. son. All right. And his name. And whose name? The son's name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. The son's name shall be called Counselor. Counselor. The son's name shall be called The Mighty God. The Mighty God. The son's name shall be called The Everlasting The Everlasting Father. Father. And the son's name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah gave us this. I didn't come up with it. Isaiah did. Well, how in the world could he be both father and son? Well, I've said this many times, but I'll say it again for those who haven't heard it. Do you believe that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah? How many of you believe that? Just three or four of you? How many of you believe that he's the lion? Okay, how many of you believe he's the lamb of God? Well, how can it be both the lion and the lamb? Do you believe that he is the root of David? Do you believe he's the offspring of David? How can he be both the root and the offspring? Do you believe he is our high priest? Do you believe he was our sacrifice? How can he be both the priest and the sacrifice? Do you believe he's the lily of the valley? You believe he is also the rose of Sharon? How can he be both a lily and a rose? 
I'll tell you how. Because it was God in Christ. On one side, we talk about his divinity. On the other side, we talk about his humanity. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king, the God of Israel. But he was the lamb of God because of his flesh that was sacrificed. He was the root of David because he was David's creator. But he was the offspring of David because his flesh was born from Mary who was a descendant of David. He was the high priest who offered it because he was God. But he was the sacrifice that was being offered because he was man. He was first and he was last. He was beginning and he was end. He's alpha. He's omega. I'm telling you, anybody that can do all that can also be father and son. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand and love him today. Let's love him. Praise God. Praise God. There's one God, there's one God, and his name is Jesus. That's why the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Because he is the Father, the Son. The Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, let's thank him. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. Come on, let's praise him a little bit. Let's, let's just take a moment. Let's just praise the Lord together. Oh, I love you, Jesus. God, I worship you. God, I worship you. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for this wonderful, wonderful revelation. Thank you, God, for this wonderful revelation. Oh, hallelujah. Look, look, I, I, I know it's time to quit. I know it's time to quit, and I know you're standing. Give me, give me just, I, I made reference to this, but I want to put it up on the wall. I want to go to John chapter 8. I want, I want you to see this for yourself. I want you to see this for yourself. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. John chapter 8. Jesus makes a statement to them that except you believe that I am He. You shall die in your sins. But I want you to see this. I want you to see it. Praise God. Somebody help me out here this morning. Amen. He said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Verse 24. All right. Verse 24. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not, this is John 8 and 24. John 8 and 24. For if you believe not that I am he. Now, if you're looking at your Bible, the word he is in italics. 
He said, if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. In verse 25, they said unto him, who art thou? Verse 27 says what? Verse 27 says, They understood not, they understood not that he spake, that to, he them spake the to them of the Father. Jesus said, Unless you believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. And they said, Who are you? And then verse 27 tells us, They didn't understand he was talking about the Father. You see, we've got to believe that he is the Father. We've got to believe that he is the Father. Praise God. He said, If you don't, you'll die in your sins. How's that? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I'm going to let you go after this one, but Acts 2, 38. Why will we die in our sins if we don't believe that he's the Father? Acts 2, 38 tells us why. Then Peter, then said, Peter unto said unto them, them repent, repent and, be and be baptized. Every, one, Every of you, one of you in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of for sins. The remission of sins. Now, isn't that interesting? How do we get our sins remitted? We get our sins remitted when we're baptized in the name of Jesus. If we don't believe that Jesus is the Father, we're not going to believe that Jesus is the name of the Father, and we're not going to be baptized in his name. And the Bible says you've got to be baptized in his name to have your sins remitted. He said, if you don't believe I'm the Father, you're going to die in your sins. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know who he is, and I'm glad I've been baptized in his name. Well, let's praise him together. Let's praise him together.